For up-to-the-minute news and unbiased reporting, check out dailybugle.net. Here's J. Jonah Jameson with a few words. Tragedy! What else can I call it? What more need be said? The damage. The destruction. You've been hearing it with your own ears for 50 episodes from James B. and Eddie on Let's Read Spider-Man! Let's Read Spider-Man! Let's Read Spider-Man! 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 Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here's the guy that never watches the movies, my ignorant friend, Eddie. How you doing, Eddie? I'm doing well. You know, I don't usually watch the movies, but I have taken the time to watch many Spider-Man movies since now we're doing so much stuff about Spider-Man, James B. Yeah, we're, our podcast makes us look like we know what we're doing. So we have to... <laughs> well, uh, we, are, we are experts in a one very, at least for me, very small area. <laughs> well, if there are 800 amazing spider-man books and we've done about 80 uh you know so we're like experts in the first 10 percent. but that's not what we're going to talk about today we're actually not going to talk about the uh the books really at all this is our 50th episode how you feel about that i'm very excited about our 50th episode we've had so many good guests and it's been fun so eddie for for number 50 there's a movie that just came out uh, I'm not sure if you've heard about it. It was called Spider-Man No Way Home. Did you happen to uh, see it? I, I rushed out to go see it with my daughters. We were all very excited. Great, great. Um, I also saw it. And so did a lot of our guests. And what we did is while we were recording episodes with our guests over the last seven or eight episodes, we took the time to ask them uh, some of their thoughts. And instead of just me and you talking about what we think about the No Way Home movie. Instead, we're going to talk about what we think about it and include some insight from five of our great guests that we had recently. What do you think about that? I really like this idea, James B. It gives such a good um, idea of what all of our friends who know a lot about Spider-Man think about this very recent and critical piece of Spider-Man history. Eddie, I don't know if you realize this, but there was a good solid two hours of uh, commentary of us talking to our guests about the movie. And I just tried to pick, you know, what I could to put in here. Remember, we only have a uh, we only have a 30 minute podcast. That's right. I a very strict time limit too, James. Well, I appreciate you slogging through all of our I'm sure there was plenty of nonsense in there to find to find a, a good episode for everybody to listen to. Yeah, it wasn't as much nonsense as you think. I kind of was disappointed that I couldn't put it all in here. All right, so in Spider-Man No Way Home, the synopsis is as follows. One week after Quentin Beck's attacks in Europe and subsequent framing of Spider-Man for his murder, Spider-Man's civilian identity as Peter Parker is revealed to the world. Parker and MJ flee to his apartment, reuniting with his Aunt May and Happy Hogan. With the apartment surrounded by the Department of Damage Control, Parker, MJ, Aunt May, and Ned Leeds are interrogated but ultimately released without charge with Peter's name eventually being cleared with the help of Matt Murdock. Parker, MJ, and Leeds return to high school, but the university applications are rejected due to the recent controversy. Um, Eddie, Peter is not charged in the death 
of Quentin Beck. Now, we don't see the whole uh, trial, but what do you think about that? I found this to be very confusing because it seems like a, a huge thing. And I guess all I ended up coming to the conclusion was is that uh, Matt Murdock is a very, very good lawyer because he, he got him off the hook for that. Do you have any insight into it, James B.? Well, I was thinking kind of the opposite. What 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 was the reason why we thought he killed Quentin Beck? It's because Quentin Beck put a video out saying, this guy's going to kill me. Maybe that just wasn't enough evidence. Like if someone says, hey, I'm this guy's going to kill me, and then that person dies, does it automatically mean they killed them, right? I mean, just thinking, it was, it was kind of a shaky case to begin with, right? I think so. There's a lot of confusion going on, and I think it was apparent that Quentin Beck was not a hero. Mysterio was quite the villain in Spider-Man Far From Home. So there was enough ambiguity there to have a hung jury, I think. You know, one thing they mentioned was that he says, well, you know, ask Nick Fury about it. He was there, which would have cleared him, right? Nick Fury, Nick Fury right. could clear him. But then he's like, well, Nick Fury's off world. I would like to assume that they reached Nick Fury. And Nick Fury's like, well, actually, I, I had a scroll and he can confirm it. You know, I mean, that's that's probably how he got off, right? It was he wasn't really guilty. That's how, that's why he got off. In the second section, Peter uh, goes and sees Doctor Strange. He tells him to uh, cast a spell to make sure people forget he's Spider-Man. Wong's there. He says this is a bad idea. Doctor Strange casts a spell. Peter, like, messes it up by getting really involved in some ridiculous reasons why he can't have certain people in there. It gets really weak when he talks about his aunt. He's like, oh, it's going to make, she's going to, it was really hard when I had to go through it. I don't want to have to repeat that again. So one thing about casting that spell uh, was, you know, should he or shouldn't be doing that. Our good friend Sarah Pezzel had something to say about that. So I'm going to play a little bit about what Sarah said. I thought it was interesting how, and it was even brought up in the movie how um, Peter Parker, instead of just talking to uh, MIT about his uh, admissions and MJ's and uh, and Ned's, that he just goes immediately to Doctor Strange to try to try to change time. And I just thought that was that was pretty that was a funny thing because it's like that's what I was thinking too as he was walking up to Doctor Strange's place. Like, oh, yeah, this is the first solution I've come to. So I thought that was cool how they, you know, poked a little fun about that. Eddie, what did you think of uh, Sarah's comments on that? I, I thought she was very, I thought she was spot on through that section right there. Them not getting into college is kind of the catalyst for Peter to go seek out Doctor Strange. And I just can't imagine a college not wanting Spider-Man and his friends at it. Yeah, it seems so unreasonable. Celebrities are always getting into all sorts of colleges because well, that's what that's what college is. Yeah, but he's like, like right? a, he's he's like a murderer during the application process, isn't he? <laughs> that's the problem. But and now here's a quick sponsor. It's the dailybugle.net. Spider Menace. Governments around the world. Lots of investigations to the murderer known as Spider Man. To find out more, log into dailybugle.net. And now back to the summary. Here's James B. Uh, Peter goes and finds the woman uh, via help from uh, his best friend, uh, Flash, and he finds the woman on the bridge and uh, Otto Octavius um, shows up and, you know, he puts his he puts his uh, hand on Peter and then the the iron spider suit bonds with the mechanical tentacles and all that craziness goes on. What do you think of that whole sequence? I mean, 
first off, and I, I'm sure one of our guests mentions it, Otto Octavius looks really good for, in real life, you know, the actor being, what, 20 years older now? <laughs> he, it's amazing, striking how much he looks just like he did the first day he was in a Spider-Man film. Um, but it, it's interesting to see the, the new technology that Peter got from Tony Stark kind of take over Otto's tentacles there and I couldn't understand how he was going to get out of it until that very moment at you know at that point so clearly Doc Ock is just as dangerous as he always was I I like that for sure he can yeah. go toe-to-toe with Spider-Man and you know years ago Eddie that would have been a massive part of the of the movie like the big battle on the bridge with Doc right. Ock and in this movie this movie, it's almost a forgettable scene from all the things that are going to happen mm-hmm. later. People are like, oh, yeah, there was a fight in the beginning of the movie. I forgot all about it. Uh, but Doc Ock uh, comes back later when, you know, he becomes very important where they go to the apartment, uh, which is Happy's apartment. There's a little funny sequence right. there where Happy mm-hmm. says, like, why are these people going to my house? And uh, and he cures Doc Ock uh, in this apartment. Um, what did you think of that whole sequence when they were trying to hang out in the apartment and trying to mix the cures with all the guys there i mean it's some great comedy right james b (laughs) them all together at that spot and then this cure is so curious like i it's i guess they're all you know suffering from something making driving them to be villains and the, the thought that for doc ock it's just a mechanical thing like let's replace a computer chip and you're better you're you're a good guy now yeah, that was the, I think that's the, I think that's the easiest one to cure because I think as a viewer of that movie, we all knew that that little chip broke and then he lost control because he tells it, he tells you in the first right. movie or mm-hmm. he tells you in his movie, hey, you know, this little thing here keeps me in control. And then when it breaks, you know, he's no longer in control of anything. Easy, easy fix there. And of course, things go badly. And we know that uh, the goblin doesn't like how things going. He's not willing to give up who he is at that moment because, you know, the goblin persona takes over Osborne before the cure can be administered. He then manipulates um, Electro into removing the device that uh, Parker put on him. And, you know, everything kind of gets out of control there. That's when Aunt May has her, uh, has her moment there. And we have uh, comments from our good friend Kevin Ewing about how he felt with the death of Aunt May. Um, the, the emotion in the movie... You know, when when Aunt May said those magic words of with great power, you know, I, I audibly gassed and my wife told me afterward that how loud of a noise I made when she said that because I because I knew it was coming after that, too. And, you know, the 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 tears were rolling down the eyes uh, at Aunt May's death. Eddie, Kevin wasn't the only one who uh, felt that way. How'd you feel about the Aunt May uh, sequence? Very emotional sequence, I, I think. It was important, too, because Peter had to lose someone, just like all the Spider-Mans have lost someone. The return of the, we'll call them the other Spider-Man, being Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, that's obviously the big part of this movie. It was a little bit spoiled by people who uh, watched any of the trailers or just followed what was going on in the news. But we have some, uh, some feedback on that from our good friend Travis Bowe from the Marvel Events Timeline Podcast. Here's Travis. All of the Spider-Man movies exist now as part of this franchise. I I think this, I'm really nervous that Marvel is going to try and do this 
again, and I don't think they should. Um, with as much emphasis as they've placed on the multiverse now, especially with uh, Doctor Strange's new movie coming out, with the reality warping things that Scarlet Witch has kind of done, I, I do not want uh, the Fox X-Men stuff rolled into the MCU. I don't want that Fantastic Four stuff in, in the MCU, you know. Um, I think it worked for Spider-Man and I'd like them to leave it at that. Um, but, uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I'm a huge fan of time travel. I love the back of the future franchise and I love how they handled Endgame getting the infinity stones, but I could see how this could get out of hand. So I understand what Travis is talking about, but he did really enjoy the movie. Uh, another person who really enjoyed the movie is Sarah, who we've heard from earlier. And I wanted to make sure I played this uh, when she's very excited describing when she, because she's a big Spider-Man fan and her opportunity to see all three Spider-Men on the screen at the same time. So once again, here's Sarah. In the middle-ish part of the movie, I really loved all three Spider-Men in the movie at the same time. My favorite, people always ask me, you know, which Spider-Man do you like the most? You know, Toby, Andrew, or, or Tom. And it's cool to just not have to worry about that because all three of them are in the same movie. Um, I, I love the Amazing Spider-Man 2 costume. They even updated it a little bit from what I could see. Um, the the way that the three of them interacted with each other uh, was also quite funny to me, uh, especially Andrew Garfield and him talking about like, oh, I always wish I had brothers and him cracking Toby Maguire's back. Like... Right. It was just so, it was so, so goofy and so a, a little awkward and just so, so Spider-Man to me, just, just to see that interaction. We're going to move on with the summary now. Actually, before we talk about what happens after we meet the Spider-Man, do you want to throw in a comment or two, Eddie? I, I don't think I have anything to add right there particularly. Okay. All right. Um, here's some comments about uh, battling the villains and uh, Peter's decision on not pushing the button. Uh, this is, once again, uh, Sarah Pezzle. What'd you think about Spider-Man's decision to not push the button? I, th I think that's what... I, I agree with that. I think I think that's what he would have done, like, regardless of if the, they're villains or not, right? They're, or if they're even his problem or not. They're, they're in his universe. They are worth saving because they are people, not villain first or whatever else they may happen to be um and also i think aunt may saying that you know really hit that home for for peter although he did have his doubts and a lot of people wanted to talk about the end of the movie so we're going to give you three sound bites in a row from three different guests first it will be my daughter who has the same last name as me and we are related then it'll be chris ewing followed by Kevin Ewing, who does have the same last name as Chris Ewing, but they are not related. Here are Samantha, followed by Chris, followed by Kevin. And I'm here with my daughter, Samantha, who was on the podcast. Samantha, what did you think of the ending of No Way Home? I was very sad that Peter um, decided not to tell MJ and Ned what had happened. 
he sees that they're, they got into MIT, they're happy, he notices MJ's cut on her forehead and her saying it doesn't hurt anymore and he decides not to tell them. Um, I was pretty upset, but I am hoping that in the future he seeks them out. I did notice he was wearing, or MJ was still wearing the necklace that he gave her, so mm. I'm hopeful for the future. I, I like the fact that it ends with him in an apartment that is very, very similar mm -hmm. to the one to the one that Toby had, um, including the guy saying, Ren's doing the first of the month. Right. Um, you know, I wanted this... Ursula to show up with the cake, though. I was waiting for her. <laughs> the, the, the fact that it was a, you know, one room, um, you know, sink in the corner, kind mm -hmm. of, you know, decrepit yeah. New York place. And um, he has the scanner on the phone. Mm -hmm. Yep. He has a scanner, which is... That's like just in case you weren't sure. Well, and there was also the issue of I think people were concerned that they were setting up Peter to be the new Tony Stark in some fashion and having access to all the technology. And meanwhile, they've wiped all that out, right? So now Peter, no one knows Peter is, is Spidey, so he no longer right. has access to any Stark stuff. Plus, they've also set up armor wars with the fact that the, the, the um, Department of Damage Control was taking all the Stark tech out of Stark Enterprises as part of this investigation into the drones and Mysterio. So now, you know, Damage Control has this technology, which will probably get stolen or lost or whatever, giving you the Armor Wars series they're going to have on Disney Plus, like, next year. Let's go back to the to the to what you said about the Tony Stark's glasses. Uh, break it down for me what you believe is going on with them and Peter's ability to use or not use them or where they are. What's going on with that? Well, it seemed like they were confiscated from the apartment because when, when um, the police and the things came through the apartment, they were grabbing all of the stuff and there was a little evidence tag next to next to um, Edith. Okay. And beyond that, there was a comment at one point from his suit that the, the Stark network was offline. So whether the network's offline or Peter's lost a connection to it, and then at, by the film's end, he no longer has the like nano suit anymore and it looks like he's sewing something himself to make a new Spidey suit. Which I think also for Peter is going to be a big change because he's been relying on you know Tony's kind of technological suits to do different kinds of webs and different kinds of technology and his spider arms and now he's got to actually rely on Peter Parker to do all the stuff. And the the very end um, when you know Peter kind of transitions from the MCU Spider-Man to the real quote unquote real Marvel Spider-Man. Um, and, you know, that final swing where he has the traditional suit on, the comic accurate suit, and he's kind of on his own. He's an adult now, doesn't have as many friends as he used to to rely on. Uh, it, it was just perfect. Speaking of perfect, it's a perfect time for another sponsor break. For up-to-the-minute news and unbiased reporting, check out DailyBugle.net. Here's J. Jonah Jameson with a few words. Peter Parker, the web-headed war criminal who, for years, has been terrorizing the decent citizens of New York, has done as much damage as this podcast. Do not listen to James B. and Eddie because they promote Spider-Man. And thank you to our sponsor, TheDailyBeagle.net. Now back to the podcast. So, Eddie... The only thing kind of left at the end might be the little sequence with Venom. And uh, I know a lot of people are disappointed that they're not going to use 
uh, Eddie Brock per se as Venom in this world. And that's kind of what, and I got to be honest, I didn't even like understand it at first. I just saw it. And then I had to read on the internet, like, this is what this means. I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't even put two and two together. I'm, I'm willing to admit my ignorance, but um, since we've sort of covered everything and we've had our guests contribute, um, we have time kind of for your final thoughts on either one particular scene or just the overall feeling you felt about uh, No Way Home. Um, I appreciate it, James, the chance to talk about it here at the end. Uh, it just, I think there's so many great things about this movie as like not a superhero movie. You know, sometimes I'm bothered by these superhero movies in that they're not particularly good movies, but you know, we're going to go see them because it's exciting to see our favorite comic book char- characters come to life. Um, Doctor Strange, you know, um, I always call him Cumberbun because I forget his last name, but he is just so fantastic. And he, his interaction with both Wong in this, Doctor Strange and Wong, and then Doctor Strange, Wong, and Peter Parker, I just really like these the scene. And at first, you know, the whole spell casting, I thought like Doctor Strange would never do this. It's such a weak, you know, idea that he's just gonna let Peter change the whole world so his life can be better, but. Honestly, the interaction between Wong and him shows that he's petulant about not having his status that he had before, before he was blipped. And I really think he cast the spell both to like help Peter, but also just because he wants to irk Wong and kind of the community in general, because he's been belittled uh, in that scene. And he plays that so well, like, in my opinion, it's, it's just very, it's very clear that there's, there's several reasons that he's casting the spell, not just to help Peter Parker. So, like, as a movie, like a movie movie, I, I really enjoyed this movie. It's a great, you know, just film, we could say. Um, uh, and then it really, it just ties together and wraps up all the Spider-Man movies so nicely. It's very satisfying. I, I was very pleased with it overall. Yeah, I remember thinking at the end that this was like watching, like, an epic tale to me. I felt like it was such a big film bigger than any of the other ones by themselves it was sort of like when you sit down you watch like a lord of the rings or just even even something when i say epic like watching uh like a forest gump just like a tale that takes place bigger than just the little story being told like the end of this i thought like wow this was really powerful um uh, i'll cover just some little things that nobody else talks about i like that flash's hair is turning blonde that's definitely intentional. <laughs> I liked when he goes to the school and they have a little shrine for him. And one of the teachers is talking about, oh, oh the students made the shrine. The other one's like, no, no, no. He made the shrine for you. And the other teacher's saying like, you're a killer. You know, I thought that was like, there was like, they made sure they covered all those little moments. Uh, you know, the relationship with Happy and um, and Aunt May, just making sure that they, kept covering all that stuff at the same time. There's just, there's just a lot of little pieces that I thought were really well done and tied together. And, uh, I don't know, they just did a nice job. I mean, famously, you know, on the internet, there's the meme of the three Spider-Man pointing. And there was right. a scene when Ned comes in, he's like, <laughs> Peter. And they're all like, who? Peter, Peter. And he's like, Peter Parker. And they're all just pointing at each other, you know, just to, just to do all those silly things, you know, can you get the cobweb in the corner? You know, they, they kept the fun, Spider-Man stuff going on uh, at the same yeah. time with telling the the big story at the same. I, I just think it was it was really well done, and I think um, 
I can't believe there's many haters and it's not going to get a lot of positive reviews um, on IMDb and other sites. Yeah, James B. Great. So, all right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, you can send us your comments at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. Eddie will tell you how to find us on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Let's Read Spider-Man. Um, I'm Eddie, Peter Parker Hasbatcher on Facebook. Anytime. And remember, listeners, you're allowed to take a break from reading Silver Age Spider-Man to watch epic Spider-Man movies. Or to listen to Let's Read Spider-Man podcasts. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I'll give him the, we're probably after the credits now. I know. You like Daredevil, so. Yeah, that was that was my biggest, that was like the biggest part of the whole movie for me, is that Daredevil yeah, you, was in the yeah. movie. I mentioned to you that I was in the theater a couple days in, and I was losing my mind that Daredevil was in the movie, because I didn't know, and like me and one other person were clapping, because all the diehards had probably already <laughs> seen it on opening night. I thought that was a, a huge deal, tying him back in as well. So yeah, they tied so many things in. It's just so well done trying to bring in all those spider-man together from ancient franchises so impressive very clever um i don't know what my you wife think? was sad at the end she was like i don't like that ending i don't like spider-man being lonely <laughs> one thing i noticed was that the lizard and the sandman are mostly cgi and they had very weak storylines they were just in there to be in there as well i mean this was really the Goblin was the most important one they needed, followed probably by Doc Ock and Electro, because Electro got to actually be good in this movie, where he was kind of yeah. weird in his last movie. Agreed. Particularly Sandman, you really had to have some background knowledge to like understand what he was doing and why, because it, it's confusing. And then the Lizard, I mean, the movie Lizard is just so bad. I know the Lizard can be bad, but I dislike the movie Lizard. Yeah, he wasn't extreme. even. I don't even know if the, the lizard. I couldn't even tell if he was what he was doing. He was, what? you know, he seemed so. Yeah, when did he get captured? Like Doctor Strange captured him, right? And that was it. Yeah, I, I don't even remember. So pretty weak, pretty weak. So, well, this was a good episode for number fifty. It was good, good timing for that. Yeah. So, oh, uh, you know what? We should do some sort of fiftieth episode close of some sort. Okay, so here we go. Eddie, as we wrap up our 50th episode, which is crazy to me, I'd like to thank, first of all, our guests, who are people who took a chance to use their time to come join us on the show. It's weird because we don't see our guests in person. Through episode 50, we've never seen a single of our guests. Yeah, yeah. we don't even see each other, James. We B. don't even see each other. And here are these guests. Most of them we do not know at all. Many of them, the first time we've ever heard their voice is when they join in on our clean feed audio link. And I want to thank them because they're taking their time to be a part of our show and to make our show better. I think that's something I wanted to bring up on our 50th episode. How about you, Eddie? I'm so happy that our listeners 
are reading Spider-Man and using our episodes, several of them have said this as kind of a uh, a read-along where you can hear people discuss and think about the issues that you're reading in Silver Age Spider-Man, uh, and that those listeners, too, are also helping us shape the show. We've had several listeners write in with segments that we decided to include. Um, we're really open to that and meeting people who are interested in the same thing that we are, which is um, early Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man comics. And lastly, I wanted to mention there are a lot of podcasts out there, way more informative than ours, and there's definitely a lot that are way funnier than ours. We're trying to hit that balance of an informative podcast that's funny, and that's what we strive for. I think you and I blend pretty well, Eddie, and one of us is serious, the other one can be a little silly and vice versa. Yes, James B., you're, you're exactly right. And of course, I'm always happy to talk to you about Spider-Man and hang out with you just like we used to do in the library at school. Eddie, you should set a goal by the time you get to our 100th podcast that you own one Spider-Man book, please. <laughs> All right, James B., will do. If you would like to be a guest on our show, reach out to us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or on Twitter at letsreadspidey. Also, a special thanks this episode to my daughter, Samantha, and our friends Chris Ewing, Kevin Ewing, Sarah Pezzel, and Travis Bowe for their feedback. This is the end of episode 50. We have some great podcasts coming up. In episode 51, we're going to have two guests at the same time and do a crossover with their show. And then we're going to come right back with another guest for episode 52, who's going to join us to rank the top three supporting characters through the first 78 books. All that and more is coming up in the next episodes of Let's Read Spider-Man. The youth of this nation must learn to respect real heroes, men such as my son, John Jameson, the test pilots, not selfish freaks, such as Spider-Man, a mass menace who refuses to even let us know his true identity.